Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 4. Paul Bunyan's Return. Part 4. I wonder what queer new game they are playing, Paul said to himself, walking on to get a nearer view. Then it was that he began to understand what the men were doing. Each of them had an axe in his hand and was holding its edge to the stone as it turned over and over in its headlong flight down the steep slope. The men were grinding their axes. Thus it was that Paul Bunyan caught first sight of the seven axemen, mighty men of the woods, whose heroic fame through later years was almost as great as his own. They were with him through most of his lumbering operations, and for many years they continued to sharpen their axes in this way, starting a large round stone rolling down a long steep hill and running along beside it, holding the edge of an axe to it as it turned. Later, when they moved with Paul to the Dakotas, they found no hill steep or long enough to serve their purpose, and it was then that Paul invented the revolving grindstone so common today to take the place of the rolling rocks. But that was a later development. The Seven Axemen, noble figures, they were never equaled before or since, excepting by Paul Bunyan himself. They were cousins, it is said, and came originally from Canada. Each could cut down several square miles of timber in a day without exerting himself, and then not be too tired afterwards to join in the pranks and horseplay of the camp. They were jolly fellows, and Paul got along with them first-rate through many years. Observing that they had company, the axemen dropped their labors and came forward to greet the newcomer, all happy at having a visitor. They were congenial lads, with hearts as big as their two fists, and they welcomed Paul with great friendliness. They cast many admiring glances at his great size and at the hugeness of Babe, the blue ox, as one can well imagine, though they were almost as big as Paul themselves. With the greatest hospitality, they invited him to stay overnight with them, and so, just as the sun had set, they all presently came to the big log shanty where the seven axemen lived. After their tools had been put away, their visitor accompanied them to the little lake nearby where they proceeded to wash up before supper. And such a splashing did that lot of them make that they splashed all the water out of the lake so that it was never of any use after that. Just then the supper horn blew and they tramped back and into the shanty. There, Paul met the little chore boy, a youngster who did all the cooking, attended to the chores, and did all the light work that had to be done while the seven axemen attended to all the heavy labor. As the little chore boy weighed only 800 pounds, he had to put up with a great deal of joshing and teasing from the seven axemen because of his small size. 
They all sat down to supper except the little chore boy, whose duty it was to wait on them and who never sat down to table with full-grown men. Such a supper as it was. The little chore boy was continually groaning under the weight of the food he carried to the table. The seven axemen were hearty eaters. A half of a full-grown hog was only a slice of bacon to them. And Paul's appetite was so much greater even than theirs that he immediately won the deep admiration of them all. Finally, the toothpicks were passed, and everybody sat back and began to fill his pipe. Paul had been wondering what the cord of firewood was on the table for, until he found out that the seven axemen used cordwood for toothpicks. When all their pipes were going, they moved away from the table to give the little chore boy a chance to clean up. Paul had never found anyone he liked so well as he did these seven axemen. He could see that they were all good lumbermen, too, well acquainted with the work of logging off timber and accustomed to doing everything in a big way. And so he started in telling them about the contract he had made to log the deacon's tract. They were greatly interested nor did they hesitate in giving him an answer when he offered them top places on his crew. They liked hard work. The harder the job, the better they liked it. And to work for such a mighty man as Paul Bunyan appealed to them very strongly. They accepted his offer there and then. Afterwards, everybody being greatly pleased over the new arrangements, they lounged before the fire and sang Bungurai and Shanty Boy until the people back along the coast, miles away, thought a storm was blowing up. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.